Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. We are back with a brand new episode. Um, talking about two missing persons thrillers, Searching and A Simple Favor, both came out this summer, um, and we wanted to chat about them. Uh, but before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves, and let's say, what surprising director would you choose to direct the next missing persons thriller? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm going to say Greta Gerwig. Um, I think she could t- have a take on it that is like... I'm picturing a missing person's kind of sort of like search party where they like kind of know the person, but they just kind of get wrapped up in the mystery and more like involved in their own lives rather than the lives of the person that's actually gone missing. Uh, yeah, not not quite as emotional and more reflective, but and yet funny. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm down for anything. That Greta Gerwig does, for of sure. Of course. I'm Luke Strider, designer from Chicago, and I am really interested in Donald Glover. Um, he cut his teeth directing some of the episodes of Atlanta um, and some of his music videos, and I think he'd be really interesting um, doing a missing person. So I think it'd be funny. I think it'd be dark. I think it'd be awesome. Right. All right. Well, every episode, we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered, um, whether that be a movie, a TV show, music, anything. Literally anything. So, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? Well, it's definitely mystery week for me because this week I got into American Vandal. Um, For those of you who are unaware of American Vandal, it's a Netflix satire series. Sort of doing a parody slash satire of true crime documentaries like Serial or Making a Murderer or The Keepers. Um, Season one aired last year. And the primary plot of the season was who drew the dicks. Um, A school goes out to the parking lot one day and all the teachers' cars have been spray painted with penises. Um, And the big, and one teen is getting blamed for it. And the big mystery is who actually drew the penises on all the teachers' cars. And uh, the second season, which just aired recently, uh, is about someone who is terrorizing a private upscale Catholic school with poop related pranks. Um, and while these like premises sound very juvenile, one thing I adore about this show is how sophisticated it is and how seriously they take the task of satirizing these, you know, true crime series that we've all kind of fallen in love with very specifically serial in that first season. Um, I have put off watching American Vandal because I, I, you know, true crime isn't even a genre that I particularly love. Um, so I was like, I don't really need to see a parody of it, but I kept getting it recommended to me over and over again and I couldn't put it off any longer. And I'm so glad I watched it because this show is so brilliant. It maintains the perfect balance of being funny about very sophomore things, which I 
love. You know, I I can handle a good dick joke and poop joke just like the best of them. Um, while also like really maintaining a high level of like knowledge of how to parody properly um, a, a like a genre that we have all know so well, and at the same time also being a little bit profound. You know, they're really treating the characters in these shows seriously, even though they are doing like a parody or satire. They're they're treating the characters like real individuals that that have emotional arcs and um, analyzing really the teenage experience, which I find so interesting. I don't know if there's a single piece of entertainment out there currently that's being made currently other than perhaps eighth grade that really analyzes the way teenagers actually behave and speak and think. And uh, I really appreciate it for that. Um, So I've had a lot of fun binging those two seasons this, this weekend. Um, And it's kept me in the mystery mood with these movies. Um, Have you seen these seasons, Lucas? Ugh, no, the juvenile humor of these of this show sounds terrible to me. Um, and but everybody who I know who has felt that way has ended up loving it. So I have no idea how to feel about this thing. I was I was in your camp, Lucas, until I gave it a shot. Um, I think if you watch season one, one the thing that really sold it for me is the performance by one of the the main characters the the teenage boy that's being accused who the he, who says he's being wrongfully accused you know he's this mm-hmm. uh, he it is such a great performance because he plays like a dumb um teenager that kind of acts out all the time who's exactly the kind of teenager you would think would draw penises all over the teacher's cars (laughs) and this performance is so incredible because of how accurate it is the things he says the way he talks is exactly like a teenage boy that would do those things and um it's it's really i'm really impressed by it and honestly like I, I kind of, you know, the Emmys were just last night. I kind of think it's Emmy worthy. It's, it's such a good performance. So, um, yeah, I, I would recommend checking out at least season one and then, um, seeing if it's something that you like, or at least the first few episodes of season one. I'm sure I'm going to have to at some point. (laughs) Sure. If you or anyone else does want to check it out here, basically you can expect the first episode of each of those seasons to be really about the joke of whatever the prank was, you know, people reacting to the idea of, you know, a mystery about penises. And so like, that's the real gist of like the first episode usually. And then by episode three and four, you really like are invested in the mystery. Um, And then by the end of the season, you're invested in the characters lives and like their emotional journeys. And so that's what makes the show so great. All righty. That is American Vandal. Both seasons are available on Netflix. Um, Well, this week I also binged a TV show off streaming service. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a show that I um, hadn't really gotten into. I watched the first uh, couple episodes at one point, I think when it first came out, and was really not interested in watching Andy Samberg. I've talked about this before, where I don't like Andy Samberg's uh, man-child 
bit that he does a lot of the times. Yep. And just seeing him in this environment um, as a policeman um, surrounded by a bunch of people of color who are kind of helping trying to do his job for him and kind of covering for his inadequacy um, didn't seem interesting at all to me. <laughs> um, but really, I, I, me and my wife just started watching the show and watched all five seasons um, pretty recently, and it is amazing. I think they really develop a lot of these characters. Um, seeing, getting to see all of these people um, in this environment, I think it's their perfect roles. Like, um, it's I, I think what also what's interesting is getting to see like two black guys as the bosses, um, and it's not and it not being like a black show or two Latina women are on the show, and it's not a Latina show. It's very much just like a. It's Brooklyn. Mm. Um, it's really neat, um, and get and I think those dynamics play out in, a, in really interesting ways. Um, I think Andy Samberg is great in this. I love Terry Crews. Um, this show is amazing, and it's it's created by Michael Shear, who worked on The Office and uh, created Parks and Rec and um, The Good Place. Like this is. He's amazing at these workplace comedies, and I'm so impressed with yeah. how this turned out. Um, it got canceled by Fox after season five and picked up by NBC for a sixth season. Yeah, and I think NBC picked it up for a short season for season six and just announced that they're going to extend the ec- episode count. Yeah, which means that they have a lot of faith in it. So that that is also really great news. Yeah, exactly. Um and I think I'm really, really pumped for it to come back. So I love this show. Um, like you said, season one, I think, took some calibrating. There was a lot of things uh, with the dynamics of characters that I think they hadn't just gotten right yet, which happens to a lot of shows. Like season one is all about like figuring out who these characters are, what works and what doesn't. There were some things with Joe Latruglio's character in season one that was kind of obnoxious and, and Andy Samberg's. And they really, yeah, figured out what makes these characters likable and what makes them work and not work. Um, so I really appreciated that. Uh, yeah, I, I adore this show. I, I'm not up to date with it at the moment, but um, Andy Samberg is, I think, such a great talent. And when he's used correctly, which I think he really is in this show, as sort of like the... He's not the leader of the group, but he's kind of like the heart of the group. He's like what a class clown would be if he had just a little bit of more maturity, um, just and just a little bit. <laughs> and um, and he's so fun. And and the the cast is stacked on that show. There's I don't think there's a single weak link. Uh, I I really love what um, they've gotten to do with um, Terry Crews and Chelsea Peretti. Um, Chelsea Peretti is someone I adore and getting to see her like really flex her wings on the show is really fun. Um, and it's, it's got its own like universe and rules and setups that like, once you, once you watch the show, you really get invested in. I, I have such a fondness for it. That's Brooklyn Nine-Nine. All of it's on Hulu. I would say catch up. Yeah. One last personal anecdote about the Brooklyn Nine-Nine cast is if you haven't looked up Andy Samberg and what's his wife's name? Joanna Newsom, right? Uh, oh, I didn't know they were married. Yes. Is that the, the musician? musician? The singer? Is that yeah. her name? Um, yeah. So he's married to Joanna Newsom. I didn't know that. They have sort of a picturesque, like, he was in an interview once, someone asked about, like, their relationship, and he's like, 
I don't have to tell you where they're like, what do you do? He's like, I don't know. We just like talk, we play records. And so I was like, okay, this sounds like too good to be true. He's like, I don't have to tell you. We're madly in love. Like <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to short sell it where we have a fantastic <laughs> life. Um, but if you haven't yet, you should look up Andy Sandberg and Noanna Jusum's mansion <clears throat> because they bought this amazing old mansion. And it's one of the most beautiful LA ho- houses and homes like home interiors I've ever seen. Um, it's just like magical. It's like old and art and like artistic and it's incredible. So you should look that up in your spare time. I will definitely do that. But I do want to come back to the point that you just said Noanna Jusum. Did it is did I say Noanna Jusum? Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty I'm I know I said Joanna Newsom at one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just oh God. Just cut and paste. Nope. You know. Nope. It's all in. What's it gonna be? Consider carefully. Are you Okay, it's time for In and Out. We talk about things that enter pop culture that we don't really need to dive in deep on. We just want to get a hint if you are in or out on them. So let's talk. Mary Poppins trailer just dropped. What do you think? I'm in on this trailer. It made me tear up. Um, you know, when I first heard about it, I was excited because Emily Blunt is so talented that I thought, you know, um, if she's in the lead role, like that gives me some hope. Um, But I was also kind of like, what is this even going to be? Now seeing the trailer and seeing what the story, how it's a continuation of the original and not just like a reboot, you know, it's not like a new Mary Poppins and new children and new everything. It's kind of a continuation of the story with the original child characters now grown up and their children and um and it's it's this extension of that universe um plus seeing how the trailer looks like it's going to employ 2d animation in the way that the original mary poppins did mixed with live action i think it looks really beautiful and the cast is exciting to me um ben wishaw like with the mustache and the crying i'm on board for um, Emily, is it Emily Mortimer, right? It's also Emily, yes, Emily Mortimer, um, Meryl Streep, Dick Van Dyke, Julie Walters, um, Angela Lansbury, I mean, and, and Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm, I'm all in on everyone in this cast, and I just have a lot of faith in it, so I'm in. I'm pumped about this movie. Everybody's going to be great in it. Um, there is nothing bad to say about this. I'm really impressed. Yeah, and... Rob Marshall is directing who, you know, he did Chicago. He did Into the Woods. I trust Rob Marshall to pull off a movie musical. All right, next up, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. This is the Coen Brothers' um, new Western. No. Oh, really? Here's my thing. I don't like Westerns, and I'm not going to say I don't like the Coen Brothers, but I've only ever seen one Coen Brothers movie, and none of the others have ever drawn me in to a place where I would be interested in seeing which one which one did you see uh take a guess I yeah there's so many it's literally the one romantic comedy they ever did what did they do a rom-com they did one romantic comedy starring George Clooney and Catherine Zeta-Jones called intolerable cruelty oh <laughs> yeah well how did you feel about it <laughs> I, I don't even remember how I felt about it it was so long ago but um I'm not basing it on my me not watching the movies off of that movie. It's more just like 
I see all the trailers for their movies. I hear about how good they are. I believe people. But when I see those trailers, there's nothing that grabs me and what's, makes me want to see those that movie. Um, and so and so I just haven't really been watching Coen Brothers movies. And so when I heard about this trailer for this one, I kind of had the same reaction. It's just like, ugh, the only interesting thing about that is Zoe Kazan. Um, and so, yeah, there's just I just haven't even checked out the trailer because... It just doesn't seem like the kind of movie for me. All right. Well, I love me some Coen Brothers. I love me some Westerns. I don't see how this could be bad. Good. I'm glad you're excited. Like I said, I believe everyone who tells me about how amazing the Coen Brothers are. I like. I don't doubt that fact. Awesome. All right, next up. Todd Phillips, the director of the Hangover movies, um, is doing a Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. Are you interested in this in the slightest? Yeah. I mean, I usually have a lot of patience and anticipation and hope for like superhero movies like i you know i don't rail against reboot culture i don't rail against the onslaught of superhero movies i think it's fine you know but lately the past few days um with the announcement that henry cavill will probably not be returning as superman and that ben affleck will probably not be returning as batman and so like both of those slots are open um and now this, like, there's another person playing the Joker or a new person playing mm-hmm. the Joker. I never really am clear, you know, like, are there multiple people playing the Joker <laughs> or is it just a new one or, you know. Um, part of me that is getting so annoyed with the conversation of, like, who's going to be the new Superman or who, you know. Yeah. I'm like, it's not a public office that needs to be filled at every time. You know, like, if someone leaves it, it doesn't have to be filled immediately. Like, we could have a break from content about the Joker. Like, we could, you know, like, let's take three years. Like, that's not even that crazy of amount of a time. Um, I don't know. And like I said, I'm not usually the person that's going to have that reaction. When there was new Spider-Mans immediately, like d- that does not bother me. But the fe- the feeling that there's this need, like this like this urgent need to constantly be telling stories of this exact same character um is is a little obnoxious to me. Yeah, I'm intrigued by what Todd Phillips could do with something like this, but I'm not necessarily excited for it i guess um i'd be curious to see what they do with other superheroes or supervillains like we've seen what like three iterations of the joker in the last like 10 years let's get like catwoman or poison ivy or let's get somebody else in there um and just explore that but you just keep going back to the same well and it's tiring (laughs) yeah uh the whole dc movie thing with the exception of wonder woman like is depressing to even look at from a distance. Truth. All right. The Predator movie dropped this weekend. I was very interested in it. I love Shane Black uh, movies. And so I watched, I hadn't seen any of the Predator movies. So I watched the first one and then I went and saw this one and it made me not have wanted to see any of them. Um, The cast is amazing. It really is like Boyd Holbrook, Trevante Rhodes, Jacob Tremblay, um, Sterling K. Brown. Um, These guys are, these guys are great. (laughs) They're really, really great. Are you an Olivia Munn fan? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, she's amazing. I just I just want so much better for Olivia Munn. She was like the best part of the newsroom. Um, I feel I feel guilty because like when the newsroom started, I was like annoyed about her casting because she was in like some annoying show before it and I was like, ugh, Olivia Munn. And then she turned out to be amazing, best part of the newsroom. I totally ate my words. 
And since then, I don't feel like she's gotten a chance to like sink her teeth into anything worth her time. And, um, and I, I wish better for her cause I think she's so special. Yeah. I haven't really seen much that she's been in. I feel like I haven't gotten a good handle on what she can do, but this, like, she's really good in this movie. The movie's terrible, but she's, she's good. Um, um yeah, I'm out on it just because I don't, movies called predator sound like not interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, Captain Marvel trailer, uh, just dropped literally today as we're recording. Um, we watched it. What do you think about it? In or out. I'm in. I'm so excited. Um, I mean, I'm in for almost every Marvel movie. Like, pretty much. I, I am in for every Marvel movie. Um, <laughs> and I expected to be in for this one. Um, I was excited about it. Um, I, oh, I'm blanking on her name. What's the main actress's name? Brie Larson. Brie Larson. I kept wanting to call her Brit, and I was like, that's not right. Um, yeah. I You're love, pulling a me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Brie Larson. Uh, so I was already in for this movie, but this I think is a great trailer. Um, yeah. I love how young Samuel Jackson is like a reveal in it, you know? Like, like yeah. look at how good we've gotten at this technology. I was I, I was, I was worried about it. I was like, because they've done it a couple times and I'm like, it's, it's been good. It's worked. Can you do it for a whole movie? I don't know. Um, and again, we haven't seen a whole movie. We've just seen a trailer, but it looks good in the trailer. It looks pretty good. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 in. This this looks really great. I I don't know. I think Marvel movies have a consistent problem with their villains, um, but doing a really good job of establishing their heroes. Um, and that's what this trailer looks like. It does a really good job of establishing our hero, um, and we don't get much to look at the villain. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped about it. Yeah, um, I want to sp- say my favorite moment of the trailer, and this is a spoiler for anyone <laughs> who like hasn't seen the trailer yet or like is Go like avoiding like avoids trailers. Um, but something is that makes me, that makes me feel good about this movie. Like it's going to be funny and interesting is there's a quick shot of an old lady on a bus smiling yep, yep. and then I was gonna mention she that goes too. <laughs> to like punch her in the face and I'm like, I'm on board. I don't know. I can't tell you why that like gets me so excited, but it just makes me think like this is not going to just be the same old, same old. I felt the exact same way. Yeah. She she punches an old woman on a bus and that looked hilarious or amazing. I don't or know. Terrifying. We'll see. Who knows? Like Or yeah. terrifying. Maybe yeah. that old woman is really scary, you know? Um yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of potential. I'm I'm pumped. This movie looks awesome. Great. Well, let's get into our main topic. Um, these missing persons movies. Uh, let's talk searching and then we'll dive into a simple favor. So we'll start with searching, we'll do spoilers, and then go into a simple favor and do spoilers for that. Searching stars John Cho and Deborah Messing. It's directed by Anish Shiganti. Um, and it's the story of basically John Cho's character's 16-year-old daughter goes missing, and he tries to break into her laptop to find her. Um, and this is impressive because there have been a, a couple different uh, sc- stories all told on screens um, that have felt a little, I don't know, gimmicky. Um, and this one doesn't. This is the first one that really feels immersive and impressive. Um, so what did, what, did, what did you think about this movie? Um, I just saw it, I guess, last week. Um, I finally got a chance to see it here in Nashville. And I was really excited about this movie because I you had seen it a while ago, Lucas, and you had talked it up. But also because of my never-ending love of John Cho um, had me interested. And 
while I haven't seen a movie like this, I've always been very interested in this type of movie where the entire film takes place on a computer screen. I've heard there's a buzzword for it that I'm blanking on right now, but it's something called like screen life or like, you know, uh, where the idea is, you know, you can tell a story based on the activity on our computer screens via webcams, via chat messaging boxes, via search history, all of those things can, the way we act our digital, our lives out is, you know, um, worthy of storytelling. Um, and I really appreciate that concept as someone who like does a lot of their living in a digital sphere. Um, and this was the first time that, uh, it seemed like it was going to be handled deftly versus, you know, kind of just as a gimmick, which I really was excited about as well. And that was proven accurate. I loved this movie. I think, first of all, aside from the fact that it takes place on a computer screen, I think the story is just really good. I think it's a great mystery. I think it has a ton of heart. It, um, one thing that makes this story so, um, compelling and horrifying is that it's such a realistic nightmare. You know, when you think about a lot of like horror or thrillers, a lot of them have these premises that are scary, but like in actuality, you probably aren't going to happen to, you know, like the chances of you ending up in a house with a serial killer are like a very slim, you know? Um, but the idea of being a parent whose teenager goes missing is a very real thing that happens all the time and is one of a parent's like worst nightmares. Like, and seeing it played out is, um, is that my stomach just sunk. It was really terrifying. And, um, I think they really handled that plot so well. Um, telling the story about like the kind of panic and grief and terror that a father goes through when like a teenager goes missing. So that in that in general, I think was incredible. But then in addition to that, the way that they used the computer screen as a tool to tell this story and to examine the way we use modern technology, the way we relate to each other via technology, the way that teenagers are different people than they seem to their parents because of technology, I think was so insightful and entertaining and smart. And, um, I had a blast with this. I really like this film. I, it's so impressive what you can do, um, and what you can convey just on that computer screen. Um, I thought it didn't necessarily feel like a gimmick. It felt like this is actually the best way to tell this story. Um, I had some issues with how it handled it it at the end of the movie but um overall i just was really impressed that you could get a story like this out of um this this kind of medium this is one of the few movies that i'm usually not the kind of person that like is into the whole easter eggs thing but the easter eggs i feel like in this movie say so much about the characters and they're not just there for fun you know um i can't wait to go back and rewatch this movie and see all the details that i missed um I think there's so much to mine from the the screens 
because it's a computer screen, it's filled with so much information. And so you're focusing on what the director wants you to focus on because, you know, to follow along with the story. But the screen is filled with a lot of other information to make it feel realistic. And I can't wait to go back and watch this movie and like read all of that information and take all that in. Yes, there's I I think there's probably tons on that screen that I missed. Um, I, I saw it at a Chicago Film Critics um, screening, and, and he talked about it afterwards, um, just saying, like, go back and look. There's a ton of stuff there um, that, that you missed, and I'm positive. There's just so much going on on the screen, and he does a really good job of directing your eye. Um, yeah. That's so you what, really are looking at what you should be looking at, uh, uh, but he does fill it with a ton of other fun stuff. I definitely want to point that out to like anyone who might be on the fence about seeing this movie because of the fact that it's on a computer screen. Um, unlike other movies that have done this, it's not just one still shot of a computer screen the entire time. This movie is definitely directed. The There are zooms in and out. There is music that I think is you know used in very, really creative ways. Um... There is, you know, the, the camera pans across the computer screen, um, focuses in and out on things. And so it, it is directed in a way like a director would tell a story. Like it, there are purposeful choices being made, and that's what makes this movie so good. Yeah, I was really... <laughs> I'd, I don't want to give away stuff, but I, right. I, I, think, I think a lot of the mystery in this movie is really kind of held tightly and done really well. Um, and you, it leaves a, a lot of reveals. Um, it, yeah. it, feels, it, feels like you're, you, it feels like you could discover this on your own. It feels like if you were doing this, like you could actually go through um, right. and do the same thing John Cho's doing and find his daughter. Um, and I, I mean, feel like they, they do all that really well without making it feel like impossible or like there was a big twist to that like was impossible to solve. I feel like they did a really good job. Yeah, and I think this movie does a really, you know, not an in-depth job, but a a nice job of examining the idea of, you know, this is, in this year and this decade, we can, as normal citizens, investigate mysteries by the use of the internet. You know, that you don't mm-hmm. have to be a police officer or detective to um, have access to information and investigate things and how that's both a blessing and a curse. You know, it allows for more, it allows for more people to work on one case and lots of different minds to like think about things in different ways, which is really great and helpful, but it also um, adds a lot of attention to cases and a lot of that attention isn't always beneficial and helpful. And um, (laughs) it, it kind of touches on like that, the pros and cons of that, Um, and it does feel like, yeah, if it feels very real to me that like, if you were a parent and this and your child went missing, you couldn't just sit at home and sit on the couch and wait by the phone. Like, you know, like, and, and just panic and worry, like you would get to work. You would do everything in your power to see what you could do to help find your child. And that's what this parent does. And he does it through the means of, you know investigating via the internet, um, which I just find relatable and fascinating. Um, I know you said that the ending didn't quite work for you, Lucas. It really worked for me. Um, I think, you know, I think it's just 
realistic. It's just a touch hair before it gets outlandish, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and I think the ending explores like some really, really interesting themes that we can talk about in spoilers. Yeah, I think it's not necessarily the story of the ending that worked, but or that didn't work for me. It was more so the fact that okay, does this all have to take place on a screen? Yeah, um, yeah, that, yeah. That's where I kind of felt the constraints. You know, there there are moments in the film where I think they they fudge it a little bit about like how realistically would this be happening on a computer screen Mm -hmm. um but by that point i've given myself to the movie in a way that like i'm okay with those exceptions being made but i think the only reason it rubs me a little wrong is because for most of the movie i feel like that's the only way to tell the story is to have it on the computer screen which i think is really impressive and like it feels like it doesn't feel like constraints it feels like this is this is an art. Um, and then at the end, it's like, well, now we have to stick with the computer screen for a little bit. <laughs> right. So. Right. But yeah. So overall, loved this movie. Um, do you want to talk spoilers now or wait and talk spoilers for both movies at the end? Well, before we talk about spoilers, I do want to quickly recommend that if you um, like this, if you go see this movie and like it, or if you're interested in it, um, there is an amazing interview on the Channel 33 Network, the Big Picture podcast, with the director of this film. Um, what's his name again, Lucas? Anish Chiganti. Yes. And he is fascinating. If you are a young person interested in filmmaking, I think this, I mean, you don't have to be a young person, but I think it's especially interesting if you're a young person. Um, you have to listen to this interview because he talks about how he made this movie. He's a 27 year old who used to work for Google. This is his first film, first foray into like feature filmmaking in any sense. Um, and it is a fascinating story of how he got the financing for this movie about how he pitched it to John Cho about how he had to craft this movie because it's not traditional in any sense of the word. And, um, I just found it really interesting and inspiring. So I really, really recommend listening to that interview. He's super smart. Like I'm really pumped to see kind of what he does next, but his, yeah, his whole like life journey from Google and everything like that, I think is really impressive and I'm excited. Uh, I'm really excited about it. He's so cool. (laughs) But also, and if you can include this part if you want or not, um, another great thing about that interview is that he is so excited. Like the enthusiasm level is so refreshing because I listen to that podcast where he interviews um, directors of movies that are coming out and often he's interviewing directors that are like, have really established careers and have been doing this for years. And that's also so interesting. Um, But these directors, you know, are often jaded. They're often depressed by like the current film industry or, you know, they, they have this experience that is both good and bad. And this guy is so fresh and new, enthusiastic and excited for the opportunity. And it was really, really refreshing to hear. Yeah. Him and his writing partner, um, Seva Hanian, are really, really neat. And they, they, they both went to film school together. Um, Sev immediately went into the film industry and started uh, producing. Um, and now they kind of got back together as friends who have been kind of separate, separated for a while and started writing these movies. And so they wrote Searching Together they're writing their next movie together. Um, it seems like a really cool partnership. So yeah. I'm I'm pumped about them. I can't wait to see more from the, for him, from him. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. What I think we should do, Lucas, is I think we should talk about spoilers for this movie now, but also let people know that um, 
If you haven't noticed before, we have chapter selections in our podcast. So you can hit these little arrows that like take you from section to section. So if you want to skip ahead to a simple favor, you can just hit that chapter button and it'll take you to the simple favor review. Um, and that's a way to avoid the spoiler section for searching. Bingo. So stick around because we are definitely talking about simple favor and it will definitely be interesting. Yes. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Did you know Deborah Messing did it? <laughs> no. Honestly, like, one of the reasons I love this movie so much is because each twist that was revealed, I didn't see coming. You know? Yep. There's, there, and there's a lot of twists. That, and, like, they, and they grow in scale in a really impressive way. You know, we have mm-hmm. the first twist that, like, she you know, went to the lake and didn't just like run away and isn't probably isn't involved in like some grand crime, you know, like, you know, like that she's um, truly gone missing. So that was kind of a big reveal. And then we have the reveal of uh, the brother, you know, and that something nefarious might be happening with John Cho's brother. And oh my gosh, I was sold, you know, like that, that was, Oh oh yeah where the story was heading and I, it was so my gut was wrenched you know but mm-hmm. i was like wow you know i can't believe that this movie is going here but like i appreciate that you know and um yeah they constantly build on it to where you never feel like oh this is a red herring like it's the, always yeah. it always makes sense that like okay this could be it right i will say the one thing that i kind of suspected was the brother early in the movie because there was a piece of dialogue that the brother has where he asks about the about the daughter and mm-hmm. in that you know FaceTime that they have at the very beginning and the dad kind of just like oh yeah she's doing fine and the brother kind of seems suspicious like he just inquired about the daughter in a way that like felt a little off and so there was a little bit of me that's like oh this I I, I just felt like the brother knew something that we didn't that he didn't mm, know. I yeah. didn't, I didn't suspect that it was like anything yeah. li- that but the I, movie was suggesting, but I, ex- I ex- thought that the brother knew something about her. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which is why I think every buildup kind of worked. It's like, yeah. okay, now she has money. It's like, okay, we know that something's weird because the brother knew something was weird. Right. And so every, it kind of keeps building until it gets to him. And you're like, yeah, this all makes sense. Right. All of this lines up. Yeah. And then, when it was like, we got him, you know, like, I, I, in that moment when he gets the phone call saying, like, we found, we found the guy, yeah. I fully believed, like, this is how the story ends, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. You think it's this grand thing, and it's not. It's just a random, you know, mm-hmm. criminal, you know? Yeah. And then there's another <laughs> twist. And um, I really appreciated the Deborah Messing twist of it all because it is over the top you know like it is like something like not a common type of crime you know not a very Mm -hmm. realistic type of crime right and yet i love what they're doing saying about parenthood and the willing to do whatever it takes and how that is both good and bad you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, because because I you you think that's the theme going through the movie because of it's him doing absolutely whatever it takes to save his kid, right? And it turns out that it he's matched 
the entire way by her. Yeah. So it's yeah, I think it's really impressive. Right. Um. So the actual the actual of them finding it and when it cuts from because the whole time we've been in his perspective, his cameras, um, and when it finally cuts to the news footage. Mm-hmm. And you you get to see him at the site and stuff like that. That to me is where it started to feel like uh, we're forcing ourselves into this perspective. Yeah. Um. I would. I. I wonder how it would have felt if we had just cut to a normal narrative at that point. Yeah. Um. But it. It. I don't think it took away from my enjoyment of it. It just made me feel like okay, this is now a constraint as opposed to an opportunity. The reason it worked for me is because. We hadn't been. We had been mostly from his perspective, but not only. You know, the first. Beginning of the movie is from the mother's perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we have this. We we switched perspectives before already in the film, and the entire movie didn't only take place on his computer. You know, he would switch between his computer yes. and his daughter's computer, and then the mom's computer, and um, and like we said, or the first part of the movie is the mother's perspective. The second part is his, and the third, you know for a short period of time is from sort of like a police officer's perspective when we see like the, the, um, what is the footage from the, um, questioning of Deborah Mm -hmm. Messing and, you know, and, um, so because we've already like had that pattern of screen switching and perspective switching, that worked mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in what it would have been. I I don't know if it would have been better. <laughs> I think it, it there's a chance it could have been worse. Um, but I yeah, it's just really impressive. It really is. Um, one of the the Easter eggs that I want to bring up is I, there were some that I've heard people talk about that I didn't notice. Like the one I'm really interested in going back and seeing is that the banner ads on websites are like about yeah. depression <laughs> and it's like John Choke's character is depressed. And like, mm-hmm. like I think that's fascinating. The idea that like yeah. these things that we're, we have grown accustomed to ignoring like so that we also continue to ignore them in this film are still like related to the story. I think it's really interesting. The one that I did notice was Deborah Messing's Facebook page. Like her header photo is like something like a mother knows best or like a mother's love has no end or something like that. Yeah. It's kind of on the nose, but I also appreciate there's, I forget where it is, but I think it's on one of like the news channel like blogs or whatever where people can put comments. Yeah. One comment spells it all out. Like oh. it's 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 like the police you know the, the police woman's son, you know, <laughs> like it it tells it's the whole funny. story there in the comments. Yeah. There's also <laughs> um you know like there there's all those detailed notes that the mom took in her contacts in mm, the old mm-hmm. computer and I think yeah. that there's like that son is in there is like is obsessed with um Yeah. Yeah, you know, the da- the daughter, you know, so things like that. <laughs> Again, there's I'm probably I'm sure there's so much in addition to just like not so much that it spells out the plot, but like just details that I want to notice, like file mm-hmm. names and and yeah. like you said, comments and there's so much richness to the landscape of this film that I want to explore. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We ready to talk about simple favor? Let's do it. Okay, so Simple Favor. Um, this is directed by Paul Feig. It stars Anna Kendrick and 
Blake Lively. Blake Lively. And Henry Golding. Yes, Blake Lively and Henry Golding. If you haven't seen the trailer for this movie, it is very intriguing. Um, but basically, something happens. Um, or what's, what's, what's her name? Uh, Anna Kendrick's character plays a, um, a mom with a vlog, a cooking vlog, um, who befriends a, um, a rich, powerful... Mysterious mom. Mysterious mom. Um, with amazing style, yes, <laughs> um, and kind of the the story of their their secrets and their uh, friendship, their friendship, yeah. Um, so what did all right? What did you think of this movie? Directed by Paul Feig, which I thought was really interesting. He hasn't done something like this before, I don't think. Yeah, but, and I love how um, the trailer it even says like from the darker side of Paul yeah, Feig. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun with this movie. First of all, it's incredibly funny. Paul Feig. You know, the the comedic yes. side of Paul Feig is excellent. And this movie made me laugh so hard. Um, I think this movie is so amazing because these are the roles that Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively were born to play. I truly don't think... I think this is the best either of them has ever been. Now, this isn't the best movie either of them has ever been. But these characters that they're playing is, you know, them using all of their talents and powers, like up to a 10. Um, Mm -hmm. I had so much fun with their dynamic and their humor and, you know, the, the tropes that they were playing off of. Um, This movie has a a great sense of style, uh, a great, a wicked sense of humor. Um, I think the mystery part of this movie is kind of whatever. And, it's fine. It's fun, but it's not super engaging. I think the ending is a little all over the place. But oh yeah, uh, the dynamic between Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively is worth the price of the ticket alone. It's so delicious and fun that you know I I highly recommend this movie. I agree. Um, yeah, I the, I hadn't seen I the only thing I've ever seen Blake Lively in is The Town, and I think she's in like five minutes of that movie like she's a nothing character yeah um and so i was so impressed by her blake lively yeah. is amazing this she's is an her incredible career <laughs> best performance blake yes, lively is a for sure is a movie star that has been in a lot of so bad they're good movies um and and this movie is just like really using her charm and her charisma like to its full potential oh yeah why? I, as soon as I, as soon as it ended, I wanted to see it again. I don't think the story is good. I think the story is actually pretty bad. Yeah. Um. But the whole time, you have so much fun with kind of their dynamic and just kind of everything that's going on with that with those characters. Um. It kind of at the end of it, you're just kind of like, that's fine. That's fine. I had fun. I had a lot of fun with the story or with the story, even though it was terrible. Um. Yeah. Like you said, the ending is a complete mess. Um. I don't think Henry Golding is good. Mm. I don't think he's good. Um in this movie i just think he's very flat um i don't know yeah there was just something about him the whole time i was like i don't know if you're a good actor or not like he, he was great in crazy rich asians but in this it was just like i don't know and everybody and it might just be that we're comparing like everybody he's up against is incredible in this yeah. movie I think <laughs> that it just makes him seem worse but i will say that i don't have i don't have a problem with him in this movie i don't think his character is given that much to do um and and yeah you're comparing it to like how incredibly like charismatic Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively are in this movie. Yeah. So I think it, I think he has a hard road to walk, but um, I don't, I definitely don't think he's bad in it. Um, I think he's just fine. Um, 
this movie, like, there are lines in this movie that I, uh, that are burned into my head. I'm still laughing at them. Um, and yeah, and it, it's incredibly sexy, which is also so fun. Um, and it's edgy. Like this movie, when they say from the darker side of Paul Feig, there is definitely some darkness to it. Um, some of it is like truly dark. Some of it is kind of like fake dark, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I appreciate that for it. I appreciate what this movie is trying to do. And um, I can't wait to rewatch it. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a movie that people, I think it could become like a cult classic, like not necessarily like a great movie, but one that like everyone knows about and, um, and quotes. Yeah, the banter is good. So you're going to get like a lot of like really good quotes out of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's really the story that hurts. So sure. I'm excited to talk about spoilers. Let's talk about spoilers. But okay. I will say if you if you if you're on the fence about this movie, watch the trailer. And I got to say, Blake Lively's outfits will push I mean, you over the edge. Truly, she if this movie was just Blake Lively in those outfits, I would go see this movie. Um, it's, it's not just that. Incredibly impressive. It's worth it for just that. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want an Oscar nom for costuming in this movie. Yeah, but, that would be Because even, even Anna Kendrick's outfits aren't good, but they're like purposefully not good. They're like, um, they're, str- it, they're strange. They're so, they fit that character to a T. Oh, yeah. 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 And then the way both of their fashion develops throughout the movie, yes. the way they change their clothes and stuff like that. Oh, it's perfect. It's yeah. so good. Um, yeah. I'm, I need more my vote is <laughs> costuming Oscar for fashion sure. films from Paul Feig because Paul Feig is a man mm-hmm. of great style and I need yeah. more films that like where the fashion is a character like this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. do we want to talk spoilers now? Yes. I don't think there's a yes. Okay, let's do it. All right. Spoilers for simple favors starting now. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember you wanted this. Okay. I could fix this movie and make this a better movie. I know. I Here's know. Here's how you fix this movie. <laughs> this movie's grand flaw is that it gets rid of Blake Lively too soon. Um, yes. Like the whole, what makes this movie so delicious is her and Anna Kendrick together. And then, you know, very early in the movie, Blake Lively's gone. And we have to go on this journey of Anna Kendrick solving a mystery, which isn't quite that interesting. Um, no. The interesting part is the way the two of them interact with each other. Here's how you saw this movie. You, instead of it being about a simple favor is Blake Lively asks Anna Kendrick to watch her kids, you turn it into Blake Lively needs a simple favor from Anna Kendrick um, that is something unrelated, and then Blake Lively's husband goes missing, and Anna Anna Kendrick is best friends with Blake Lively, and the whole time she's trying to figure out is this she's trying to help her best friend find her husband all the while wondering like did she actually kill her husband you know exactly exactly you get rid of the husband and you keep this like intense sexual banter going on between blake lively and anna kendrick all the while anna kendrick is like engage like finds her alluring but also is afraid of her and is like concerned about like her morality yes like what Um, the fuck are you doing the the problem with that is and i i forgot the name of the movie it's a french movie that they reference in the in the movie like um as it was starting i was like this is just like that movie oh my gosh what's it called let's double okay um 
it's a it's it's a French movie. Um, and and Anna Kendrick actually says this is like, are you trying to list a Belisk me? And I was and and that's it. But it's basically a um, a wife and her husband's mistress um, end up plotting to kill the husband, and it and, it and the big twist at the end is it turns out that the husband and the wife were were trying to basically get the mistress put away right uh or vice versa the mistress and the husband were trying to get the wife put away something Something like like that that. it it doesn't doesn't matter but it's 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 like on the verge of like kind of being like this movie um and i love that they referenced it (laughs) in there um but i yeah i i think you could have gotten too close to that um but i think i think yeah if you push harder and make it about the two women together investigating his disappearance something like that and it's a you know there's suspicion in there like i really think that that is a better more interesting movie just because you do have that dynamic yeah um it's just yeah ah yeah or if you do want to tell the story of blake lively going missing then what this movie could have used was peppered in through anna kendrick's investigation more scenes where she remembers times where she's hangouts yes. with Blake Lively. You know, yes. we get that happen it happens once, once. But it's like, yeah. no, this should be the whole movie. Is like as she's searching mm-hmm. for Blake Lively, we get to see how their friendship developed. Um, right. And we get to learn new things that Blake Lively revealed to Anna Kendrick or whatever. Um, yeah. It's just like those two they're... shouldn't be apart. They need to be together at all no. times. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> you also get it. It's questioned a couple times whether they're actually friends. Yeah. And which I think you're also supposed to question, sure. but more more so in the fact of was their friendship real, not did they spend enough time together to actually be friends because we didn't get to see it. Right. Um, we, we get to see them hang out like twice yeah. um, before she disappears. And at that point, you're like, yeah, I don't know if you actually are friends. Right. And it's not a like a deceiving thing. It's more just logistically, I don't know if you guys can be friends at this point. Yeah, which I appreciate how that was used because it makes Anna Kendrick seem like an opportunist. You know, like, yes, yes. I, I appreciate what that does for her character. But I think there's ways to work around that and still make that point mm-hmm. that she's kind of an opportunist. and For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, the twin aspect, that was I hated. Dumb. Yeah, twin Absolutely aspect hated. was dumb. Um, so was like the the fire that she set and Ugh, like yeah, all of that was yeah. just like so unnecessary. Of, it's like I don't of care the about any of this. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, it, it's it's. It, it sets it off as if you want to know more about her history. And right. It's like, I don't care the least bit about Blake Lively's history. I care about her present. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, the the TA. Yeah. The, w- whatever that was. I don't know if they cut scenes. I don't right. know if that just wasn't developed enough. But there was no, that was like a weird insert, I guess, that that. That never she really got fulfilled, you know? Right. I thought maybe they'd, like, maybe turn suspicion on her or something like that, that there might be something there. But, yeah, it never or, like, really came up. truly paint Henry Golding as, like, this asshole, you know? Which they never right, really got right. to do either. Yeah. You know, it just was unclear, like, is he a good guy or not, you know? And mm-hmm. um, and then the ending with, like, it was, like, re- it was like twist after twist in a way. Yeah. It was, like, at a rapid pace, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it almost turned comedic with the amount of twists that right, happened. Right. Um, yeah. And it didn't seem, <laughs> I don't know. It didn't seem believable. And then my least favorite thing was her getting hit by what's his face in the car. Um, yeah. Um, and, and then Andrew, he, he, Andrew Rannells. Yes. Yes. And he had this big line about like hybrids or whatever. And it's like, was that 
supposed to pay off something that happened to her. Right. <laughs> like the, it just made no the, sense that he comes in joke. and kind of yeah. saves the day. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. I did. I did like the idea that like he ended up watching the. He was watching. He was like mm-hmm. they. They did that, place earlier. Like we started watching our vlogs. Like yeah. And and so the fact that, that like he was watching that live stream like was kind of set up. Um, yes. I appreciated that, that. I loved. I wish we'd gotten to see more of him. Uh, instead of him just like saying we watched the blog, I wish we'd yeah. gotten to see more of him like actually kind of coming on yeah. and, and I, watching the blog. I will say there's so many things that like made me laugh so hard in this movie. Oh yeah. One oh, of yeah. the things that made me laugh so hard was the idea of those, uh, the other parents, you the, know, the kind of yeah. the, the, the chorus, the of other moms. Like, yeah. Um, um, smoking weed like smoking yes. weed at their house and then all the cops show up that yeah. was so funny yeah. i there yeah there are a lot of good jokes in this movie yeah it's very very funny yeah for as thriller as it, i thought it was going to be and let me tell you how like the the scene that i cannot wait to like see replayed in gif form because it's a gif both my friend and i turned to each other when it happened with our jaws dropped with how like arousing it is was when we first meet Blake Lively and they get home and she rips that um, what is it called off the the fake shirt oh yes what yes is, what is that and thing the called cuffs I don't I don't know I don't have no idea what that thing's it's called a, but it's, yeah, like a, a, it's like a bib or something like a right like um a, oh, there's a name for it there is I can the 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 only thing that's in my head is in Peter Pan when the dad is trying to put his on. Yeah. Um, so she and, she like yeah, rips but, that off and then she's just yep. like in the cufflinks and the vest. Yeah. Let me tell you, that was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. <laughs> and Andrew Kendrick thinks it's amazing too. Like yes. you get to see her reaction to like, oh my gosh, this woman is crazy and amazing. Right. It's it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, I really appreciated the whole like brother thing with Anna Kendrick. I think it was like just the right amount of like edgy that this movie needed. Um, really? Yes. I didn't, I, I, I liked it at first, but then it kept coming back and I was like, is this going to go somewhere? I think they used it too much. If it had just been like a thing at first that they were like, Oh, you know, you know, everybody's got secrets, blah, blah, blah. But it kept coming back enough to where you're like, is this going to matter at the end? Like, is this going to come I mean, into it something? Back, it was only twice. Really? <laughs> She kept Oh, like she kept it up, I guess. referencing it as like a right, thing. Right, she kept Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, they only they only did the, like the flashbacks twice, which I don't think we needed the second flashback where um her brother and her husband end Die. up meeting at the birthday party or whatever. Like yeah, that yeah. to me didn't further anything. Yeah. Um I do I do I do like that idea for, for Anna Kendrick's character. I just love it um, as a character just, detail of like Oh yeah. You yeah. know, like this is a girl who's so so trying to like be the best mom everything looks perfect every every food item looks perfect every everything about her life is perfect and normal and she has like you know one of like this juiciest secrets of them all right i think it i i'm really glad it it didn't have anything to do with the mystery um because i think that would have been dumb if it's like this crazy dark secret that ends up coming back to whatever like i just i just wanted it to be like yes i've got a crazy dark secret and that's it and that just builds my character not has anything to do with the plot at all but it kept coming up in a way that's like is this gonna have to do with the plot yeah um yeah henry golding had nothing he had zero character detail yeah i mean they really should have he should have been the one that was gone missing easily you know like the handsome husband 
like yep that might have been having an affair like yeah he should have mm-hmm. gone missing slash gotten murdered yep. like yeah would have been way better yeah but um yeah i want more of this <laughs> yeah um it's it's like so close to being great like there's just so many right. like little things that you could tweak about this story that would make it like a truly truly great movie right um but i still had so much fun with it me too Okay, I think that wraps it up for us. Um, if you have any questions, if you want to talk more about Blake Lively's amazing wardrobe, um, not in real life, in uh, that's not a creepy. Um, don't talk to us about that. <laughs> Never mind. Ignore all of that. Um, you can find me on the internet everywhere, Lucas and stuff. And you can find all of my social media at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can talk to us together on uh, Twitter at feelingitpod or send us an email at feelingitpod at gmail.com. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away, Rick. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Yeah. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 